Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to nine, and 26 year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written specifically for homeschooling moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. You can find all three of those books at my website, DorandaWilson.com. You can find them on Amazon, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at pretty much any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two other places I just mentioned. But I am really excited today. Um, We're going to be talking about recognizing false teachers. But before I dive in, I want to share with you um, about a little project I've been working on and is now uh, live. It's an online mentoring community. So listen in for some details. As moms, I'm sure you've felt the desire and the pressure to do everything all at once. And I'm no exception to that. I've had to take some of my own advice and slow down so I can really figure out how to best serve you. I want to offer you a place where you can not only find a tribe of like-minded moms wanting to grow in their faith, parenting, and homeschooling, but also where you can receive exclusive content and encouragement from me and other moms that you won't be able to get anywhere else. This community is where I want to direct my primary attention so that I can be fully engaged, more responsive, and more personal when I interact with you all. I'm especially excited about the exclusive content you'll have access to. Not only will there be videos and live events from me, but my family will also be sharing some of their hearts as well. We'll have a range of topics such as loving the littles, quiet time with Nana, living counterculturally, homeschooling, the man cave, character growth and discipline, boys to men, and several more. If you've ever wanted more than a podcast, check out the link in the description to learn more about the Simply Unhurried community created for moms just like you. All right, today I have a special guest back with me. Wesley is one of the elders at our church at the barn. All of you have probably heard me mention that more than once. Um, He is a husband and a father of four. He has also done a couple of other podcasts with me. In late 2020, he joined me to talk about applying Romans 13 to the here and now. Um, That was when so many churches had their doors closed and many were uh, basing that on Romans 13. And I got such a great response to that particular podcast, um, as well as the one that I shared, uh, which included one of Wes's Sunday morning messages called The Importance of a Biblical Education. Um, I had him back on again, I think it was early this year, to talk about the biblical importance of family which was also very well received. Um, So I'm excited about uh, having him back again today. I I always say we can't be godly moms unless we're godly women. So we need to continue to grow in wisdom and discernment. And we we can do that by being in God's word regularly, but we also need to sit under good teaching. Unfortunately, it seems as though there are more false teachers than biblical ones out there. In fact, I've had many moms reach out to me asking for a list of teachers that I would recommend or simply asking how they would even know if a teacher was biblical or not. 
I honestly didn't think that I could do that topic justice. And so I'm here to learn today too, that <laughs> um, I felt like I, you know, I needed some direction myself. So I invited Wesley back on to talk with us about recognizing recognizing false teachers. So welcome back, Wes. I'm glad you're here. I, even though it's toasty in here, <laughs> oh, we, we are recording in the she shed and we, I got the air conditioning going ahead of time. It, it really did. I don't know how much it helped and we have to turn it off in order to get a good recording. So here we are. Um, <laughs> we, we got this right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I work, uh, construction part time, right. so I'm used to being out without, you're good. you know, any yeah, AC, you're, so. you're way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I would just love for you to dive in and start talking about how we can recognize false teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And and to your uh, to your prologue there, it is certainly true that there are more false teachers than true teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that James is getting at when he says not many of you should be teachers. And yet <laughs> we've got a preponderance of self-proclaimed teachers, pastors, leaders, etc. Uh, and so when you have this uptick in people who are purporting to teach, mm -hmm. then you're also going to have an uptick in false teachers and sifting through who they are, how to identify them becomes a challenge, right. uh, which is, I think, probably also analogous to the first century context. We've got the birth of a church. Right. Right. But that foundation is still being laid. Uh, here are the qualifications for elders. Paul writes some of those things down, but they get distributed much more slowly than information gets distributed today. Right. So you've got people. Uh, nature abhors a vacuum. Right. So a church gets established and some people begin to lead and teach and whoever has the most magnetic personality right. or the most charisma or can string sentences together compellingly. And there's the teacher. Right. 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 Uh, and so in that regard, I'd say that the proliferation of teachers in our day is not unlike the situation in the first century that caused Paul and the New Testament writers to initially have to speak into a uh, false teachers, that's the thing, and you're going to need to know some things about them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in fact, a lot of the New Testament is dedicated to correcting false doctrine and calling out false teachers, uh, sometimes by name. Uh, there are some texts that do that, and then others where we're able to put their names together based on looking at non-canonical history, but we have a description of them in the New Testament documents. So, anyway, all that to say, uh, false teachers, false teaching, huge emphasis in the New Testament. So, uh, we're on solid, solid ground. So the way that my head kind of thought about uh, this podcast going is first, I'll outline what I think are the different kinds of false teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll highlight what I think is the most common version of false teachers and false teaching in our day. And then maybe I'll give some red flags because false teachers don't start out generally as false right, teachers. Right. Often there's a drift into it. And there may be people in your audience who kind of feel like maybe something's off or have a sense that something's wrong, but they can't point to a heretical thing that pastor has said. Right, so right. we're not really sure. And so I'll also maybe close it down with here's some warning signs uh, and maybe just some steps along the way that pastors often walk before they get to full-blown false teachers. Right. So that's maybe the scheme for how we'll how to do it. So in terms of outlining the different kinds of false teachers, um, I've narrowed it down to four. You could probably slice it differently. We could probably add uh, categories by splitting some hairs further, right. but four broad categories. Right. Uh, the first is the one that's probably the easiest to identify, and that would just be the card-carrying heretic. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, 
this is the one that you get out of the way at the beginning because most Christians know when they're listening right. to a heretic, right. uh, somebody that does not affirm uh, some core tenant of the Christian faith that Scripture insists upon. Right. Um, an example of this from the Bible itself would be the Gnostic heresy uh, that John, in particular, responds to in First, Second, and Third John, and the Gnostics basically taught that the incarnation didn't really happen. Uh, Jesus uh, was not actually flesh and blood. He was not 100% God, 100% man, because one of the primary tenets of Gnosticism is that material matter, physicality, is bad. Mm. Uh, And so if physicality is bad, then Christ can't be the incarnate word because he would not take on sinful flesh. So he thought flesh is necessarily sinful. Uh, And so that's a heresy that John responds to, just calls it out directly. Uh, A couple passages, 1 Timothy 6, 3, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 23. This one's a little bit longer passage, but bear with me. Uh, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, now you're going to be like, we got to do another podcast about the Antichrist because you just read that verse. (laughs) But as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? This is hearkening back to the Antichrist, Mm -hmm. but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So again, this is just an example of a classic heresy, the denial of Christ's incarnation, the denial of his divinity. You're a card-carrying heretic. Right. Right. Um, and so, interestingly, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Bible scholars would say the person that John is talking about is actually a guy named Serenthus, uh, who was one of the primary leaders of the Gnostic movement and was saying, Jesus is the Christ. He agreed on that point. Mm-hmm. But because of his Gnostic assumption that right. all physicality is bad, he denied the incarnation, right. which made him basically John's arch enemy. Because how does John start his gospel except the word became flesh and dwelt among us? Right. So they end up becoming arch enemies. And we have all these writings from John where he speaks very, very harshly about this guy named right. Jesus. Um, so um, anyway, so that's the first category card-carrying heretic. So that's denial of the Trinity, denial of Jesus, divinity, those sorts of uh, high rejections of really clear biblical doctrines. Right. Right. Jesus is the only way to God. Correct. Absolutely. Universalism. That'd be another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I say obviously, most people know that uh, noted Bible teachers like Rob Bell ended up on the side mm-hmm. of universalism mm-hmm. with his book, Love Wins, where basically ends up having this idea that, yeah, no, there is no hell where people suffer for right. their you know, remaining in their sins, etc. And again, et it was a migration, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. So there were steps that he was taking right. before you get to a full-blown, everybody can see it now. Right. Which is great for all of us to know kind of what that process looks like, because some 
uh, listeners could be in churches where they feel like something's going on, but they can't put their finger on mm-hmm. it. So hopefully today this will bring some clarity for yep. them. Yeah, no, I hope so. Uh, so that's the first category. Uh, pretty easy to spot once it comes to the point of having become fully grown. Right. right? Uh, the second category uh, would be what I'd call charlatans. Uh, these are men and women who knowingly teach what is false, not because they really believe what they're teaching, but because falsity sells. False doctrine sells right. really well. Right. <laughs> People like to hear it. Uh, there's, there's an attraction about departing from what the word teaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in our sinful state, we don't like what God has to say. Right. We don't like his law. We don't like his word. We don't like his norms right. because they cut against our sinful impulses. Right. It's that whole uh, humbling ourselves before the Lord because and recognizing he is God and we are not. Mm-hmm. And that it just no matter what day of the week it is, it grates. It yep. grates. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's like, so it's a constant, you know, just yielding ourselves yep. to him. And yep. so, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's that second category. Here's a, a text of scripture, Titus chapter one, verses 10 through 11. Uh, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching. Here it is for shameful gain. The King James mm. says filthy lucre. Uh, oh, they're wow. teaching to make money. Right, right. <laughs> um, they're, so they're teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Uh, and so you may think of healing ministry scams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may think of prosperity theology. You may think of modern prophetic ministries who have been wrong again and again mm-hmm. and again, but they keep saying it because their books keep selling. Right. Right. Uh, and they're not in it because they actually believe what they're saying. It's so demonstrably false. Right. You know, whether it's, uh, yes, God desires to heal absolutely everyone. Temporally speaking, in the here and now, come to my healing explosion, crusade, event X, Y, or Z. And they see all of the failures, and yet they schedule another one for the next month. The thing I don't understand is how, how, how do you go into that consciously knowing that you're teaching something false. And to me, that, that like borders lines on like almost demonic because sure. to have a truth like that and then, and then to, to teach the opposite just for, like you said, for gain and, and that kind of thing is just, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine because those same people have to know that there's scriptures that talk about the responsibility that comes with teaching. And yet yep. somehow they think maybe they're immune to it? I, yeah. Who knows what the yeah. line of thinking well, is. Well, that's, that's why I put them in that charlatan category, mm-hmm. uh, because they don't believe it, mm. right? Uh, so not only do they not believe what they're teaching, they aren't Christians at all. So they don't believe we'll that they're going to stand would, before God that and be would make sense. for it either. That would make sense right? in how they can do that. Exactly. Because they're not actually taking any of it seriously. Correct. Got it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so the heretic believes what they're saying. They're just wrong. Right. Right. Gotcha. Uh, They're sincere, though. Right. Such that we may even respect them a little bit more, even though we agree that they must be silenced. Right. Right. (laughs) Gotcha. But the charlatan just is a false professor Mm. and he knows that he's a false professor, Mm. but he saw a really good career opportunity. Wow. Right. And it's cushy and indoors and you can meet at coffee shops and you can, you know, do all of those things. And And I'm also thinking about the plethora of books out there that can be sold with these really engaging, attractive mm-hmm. principles that aren't actually biblical. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the, the charlatan category. 
then the, the third category of false teacher in here starts to parse out a little bit more and a little bit more nuance, but uh, I'd call these camaraderie killers. Um, they're, um, they're disruptors of the unity that scripture says that we should be shooting for. Um, it's people who major on minors. Uh, sometimes it's because they've conflated a personal conviction that they have with a biblical prescription. Mm-hmm. That's a, a pretty common way that this manifests itself. Uh, and then sometimes it's because there's a doctrinal position that has really gripped them personally. Right. And they insist that everybody be as gripped by that doctrinal position as they are. And if you're not, then you're not holy. Right. Uh, like like taking a principle and just like putting a magnifying glass on it and mm-hmm. making it everything about that principle instead of the full counsel. Exactly. And we had we had a conversation recently about, about yep. that. And yep. that was something that um, I think I've found difficult to recognize sometimes, but I think that that whole, that phrase, the full counsel of God is such a great way to describe, Mm -hmm. you know, is this, is this person focusing just basically on one thing and making everything else revolve around that one thing? Because God did not actually do that in his word. Right. Yeah. It revolves around Jesus right. and the gospel <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and us needing Correct. a savior. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and our sin. <laughs> yep. That's right. Some of your listeners may be familiar with the phrase, uh, sola scriptura came mm-hmm. out of the reformation. Right. Uh, something that the second wave of reformers also began to say, because they saw the kind of error that we're talking about is tota scriptura, uh, which is to say, you can't take one section right. and elevate it and say that this mm. doctrine is on this shelf. Mm-hmm. and the other ones are somehow subordinated, don't matter as much, uh, such that you can have this sort of off kilter, out of balance point of emphasis right. in your teaching ministry. Right. Uh, so it's not just sola scriptura, scripture alone, it's tota scriptura, give me all of it. Right. G- give right. me the whole book. Right. Right. That's um, so good. I know I read that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and there were so many good things in there great tools, great ideas. Something just fell off. And uh, I did share that with the, with the listeners as well. But um, after I kind of had some time to think and pray and, and then a mom wrote to me and she was she was talking about just that, the full counsel of, of scripture. And it was just it was so good. It was such a good reminder. You can be a Christian for I mean, I've been a Christian since I was four. So 50 years and and consistently in the word. And, and yet I still sort of like I knew something was kind of off, but there was so much good there. So this, this is super helpful uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. When I read a book or something like that, I can keep that in mind as I'm reading through the book and keep that good counsel in my head and heart while I'm, you know, taking in something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So the camaraderie killer, here's a, here's a text on that. Um, Titus chapter three, verses nine through 11, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Uh, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. And so, again, that's to say that these people have their Bibles open. Mm-hmm. They want to quibble about the law of God. Right. They want to quibble about the genealogies. They want to. Qu- and so that's why this one gets particularly sneaky, 
because these are always people who seem to be really zealous for the truth, mm-hmm. right? These are people who always seem like they, uh, and, and we're attracted to that because we've seen so much complacency yes. in the Christian church yes. that when somebody's willing to speak confidently and zealously about something, uh, we see a, a, a sincerity there and a passion there mm-hmm. that we're drawn to, mm-hmm. especially if they're also a good communicator. Right, right. right. And you can get really pulled in mm-hmm. uh, to all those sorts of things. And I'll just give you some, some modern examples uh, that I'm seeing happen before our eyes mm-hmm. in American culture, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of people are detoxing from sort of a, a weak, soft version of Christianity. COVID did a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There was this separation yeah. of wheat and chaff, and now people are trying to find uh, somebody who's serious right. about the things of right. God, somebody who wants to teach Scripture um, away from some of the soft, shallow, you know, fill in the blank with right. the adjectives you want to use to describe whatever American evangelicalism has been for the last 50 years, Mm -hmm. right? That a lot of people are just saying, I'm done with that. I want something more robust. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then they're going to find people who are willing to make strong, take strong stands and make strong pronouncements. Um, But often the people who are willing to do that also fall into the category of false teacher that we're talking about in that they're camaraderie killers because they've seized upon a doctrine or a point of emphasis, often to the exclusion of others. And some examples of that uh, things that get manifested, you'll see some people who become obsessed with modesty, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You've seen these things oh, yes. happen, right? Absolutely. Become obsessed with modesty. Um, look at sections of the Old Testament that say uh, a man shouldn't wear a woman's garment or vice versa. And so they say, well, here's the rule at our church. Women aren't allowed to wear pants. Right. Right. And that just becomes right. Uh, and so that's uh, a version of that. Right. And uh, sounds really zealous. Here's a Bible verse. Right. And so that becomes the refrain that becomes the point of emphasis and everything begins to revolve around some of those externals. Right. Uh, Other examples would be this is a a big one right now. um, Celebrating certain holidays. So right. there's this huge right. movement right now in terms of people who are saying uh, there are pagan roots that underlie, uh, you know, most of our major holidays. And this could be something I could be opening a whole can of worms. And now people are going to send you all these. You may not even publish this. I don't know. Uh, but um Yeah, people who are saying uh, Easter actually goes back to Ishtar and, you know, uh, the Christmas tree actually has this pagan connotation and all these sorts of things. So Christians need to repudiate that and not bring in any of those um, pagan influences into their worship. You know, you can't redeem those things. You can't have that. That belongs to the pagans, et cetera, et cetera. becomes its own conversation. Uh, And and some people have that as a a well-intentioned and serious conversation, right. both on the modesty front and on mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. can we lawfully incorporate these things if we know what their origins are and their, and their negative. Right. Right. Um, and, and some of those things are legitimate issues of conscience. Uh, sure. things like, can we eat meat sacrificed to idols? That's the first century version of a very similar question. Right. Right. This meat was offered to a pagan God. Right. Can I have it as a Christian or is it somehow tainted? Right. Uh, So those are legitimate questions of conscience that have to be answered. But what the camaraderie killer does is he takes an issue of of conscience where there's actually some liberty for the Christian here. And he wants to act like there is no liberty. It's not a matter of conscience uh, that everyone can make their own decision before God. He wants to say, no, I've found the truth of it. And if you don't conform yourself to it, then 
you need to be put outside, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that's what the camaraderie killer does. He's going to find some of these minors. He's going to find some of these issues and areas that are actually in the category of Christian liberty. And he's going to truncate those issues that have to do with liberty. And he's going to say, no, these right. are actually, you're licentious if you fall outside right. of my application of biblical principle mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. Um, and so that one, that one often happens. And I think that we're coming into a season in American church history where that's going to become very, very common mm-hmm. for the reason that I mentioned right, earlier. Right. They're zealous. They care. They're actually talking about the Bible right. and they're willing to say things that will offend people. Right. Right. And we've had so much, again, soft, kind of limp wristed. I don't mm-hmm. want to offend anybody that when those guys talk, it all of a sudden seems like, man, this might be the real deal. So I think that we're coming up on a wave of seeing camaraderie killers gain a lot of steam. Um, and hopefully some people will be able to hear this and, and maybe cut some of those things off in the past. Uh, but again, in the event that any of your listeners are struggling with any of the examples that I just gave, uh, again, that's not to say that uh, you can't fall on either side of that issue or that there's not a real conversation to be had there or that sincere believers don't end up on one side or the other or any of that. It's just to say that uh, there's a way that we can certainly take issues that are not black and white in their application. Mm -hmm. There's There's a principle that might be right. clear. Right. But for you to insist that you've cornered the market on the 21st century application of said principle and then to divide the body of Christ on the basis right. of your understanding of that application mm-hmm. uh, is the place where I think that you're in the territory of Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, uh, where you've become quarrelsome about these things. So, um, last category uh, would be cowards false teachers who are false teachers because they're cowards. These are, these are our men. These are women. These are Bible teachers who know and understand sound doctrine, but they refuse to dispense it mm-hmm. for fear of people's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they withhold the truth because they're afraid of people's reaction to right. that truth. Right. Um, here's what first or excuse me, second Timothy chapter four, verses one through five says, uh, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so Paul's assuming that if you're really teaching the whole counsel of God's word, that you're going to hit sections of God's word that will necessarily make you enemies. He, he says, if you're going to be a Bible teacher, you always have to be a couple things. You always have to be sober minded. You always have to endure suffering and you always have to do the work of an evangelist. Right. Right. I remember you mentioning that you've been going through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes and um, you, you talked about how there were certain points at which if, if you don't get pushback from this particular point, you haven't taught it right. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, that's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that falls right into what you were just saying. You yep. have to be willing to say the hard thing. You said, uh, I think you said something about he makes us 
uncomfortable before he comforts us, something along those yeah. lines. You know, yeah. it, it sometimes takes um, some discomfort for us to come to the, the truth and to right. actually be comforted by that, by the interpretation of that truth. And mm. so, yeah, that's Ecclesiastes is kind of great. Yeah, awesome. I've, I've learned as I've oh. gone. I think I admitted at the beginning, yeah. I understood this book this way. Right. And then I got ready to teach it and I realized that I, I was wrong about yeah. this stuff. <laughs> so for right. me too. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but so that's that fourth category is, is the coward. Mm-hmm. It's the person who sees the cost of presenting the truth in whatever cultural climate he happens to be in. Mm-hmm. And after he counted that cost, he decided he wasn't willing to pay it. Right. And right. so there are certain there are certain doctrines or applications of a doctrine mm-hmm. or whatever that he's just simply willing to mute. Right. And sometimes they'll make some fairly believable excuses for that. Yeah. Um, not wanting to be divisive, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so you have to be able to recognize is this just an excuse, you know, yep. that this person is not willing to speak the truth or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've heard frequently, um, is that a hill that I'm willing to die right, on? Right, right. Um, and I remember getting to the point where I'm looking around, I'm having conversations with other buddies who are in, in ministry and just pressing on some of these things and uh, getting that line a lot. Right. Well, you know, I'm just trying to decide which hill I'm going to die on, and I don't, I don't think that's it. Mm-hmm. And got to the point where I just had to look at some guys and say, I think you just don't want to die. <laughs> because I can't find any hills any hill that, you that you're willing to die on. Exactly. You just don't want to die. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what awesome. it comes down to. Uh-huh. Um, so let me summarize those. Okay. Um, so some false teachers are false teachers who really believe their lies. Mm-hmm. Those are heretics. Right. Right. Uh, there are some false teachers who really don't believe their lies, but they tell them because they're in the game for right. applause. They're right. in it for money, build a big mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. et cetera. Some false teachers are false teachers who conflate their conviction on a matter with faithfulness and divide the body of Christ along lines that are not biblically sanctioned. Mm -hmm. So they take things where there is real freedom to conclude differently than your brother or your sister. And they say, no, that freedom, in fact, does not exist. If you want to be a part of this community, then you're going to conform to my understanding of X, Y, or Z, despite the fact that I can't pin that down in any particular section of Scripture. I'm insisting on it out of my own authority. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And then there are some false teachers who are false teachers who really do know sound doctrine, but they're afraid to proclaim it because they're cowards who fear man rather than God. Right. Uh, So... Some points of assessment that emerge from those categories uh, that people may be uh, may be able to employ. Uh, first one, uh, what? ask yourself this question. These are a series of questions that may help you to make mm-hmm. some identifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, what do they teach and does it accord with Scripture? That, that, those questions will uh, expose the heretic. Right, right, right. And this is why we actually need to be in the Word, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because we can't even we can't even answer that question if we're not in the word. And so, um, yeah, I I talk to to moms who are like, I'm still becoming familiar with the word. And so this is why they wanted some more, you know, identification of false teachers, because they just didn't trust their own knowledge of the word yet. Sure. Yeah. No. And that's a great point. If we're not a biblically literate people ourselves, Mm -hmm. then we're basically inviting the false teachers to have a field day. Right. Because we're not equipped. Mm -hmm. To, to make the identification. That's good. That can take us down some pretty scary roads because, mo- you know, obviously the, the listeners here are 
moms and they're leading, you know, and their husbands are leading families. And so we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that we aren't, you know, subjecting ourselves or our kids to Mm -hmm. false teaching. That can take a long time to reverse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A long time to reverse. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, another question that may help with identification, um, how does teacher X, Y, or Z live mm-hmm. and does the way that they live accord with scripture? Mm-hmm. And that's questions going to show you if you're dealing with a charlatan right. in a lot of places. Right. Who, are, who are on the big jets, the private jets. Correct. And, you know, I'm, and you can't just say, oh, well, that's just wrong, you know, but at the same time, you're thinking something's not right, right. with this. Right. I look at those things and I think. Where else could that money have been spent that sure. would have been way more fruitful sure. for others? Yeah. You know? And I mean, even stuff like this is all public knowledge now. Uh, a documentary about Hillsong recently came mm-hmm. out on Discovery Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carl Lentz, who was the pastor of Hillsong's right. uh, New York church or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they're showing pictures of this guy. And I mean, the way that he's presenting himself, even walking around the street shirtless, got his pants down real low, like uh, borderline, a, a more sane America would have thought that he was walking around in like a pornographic way. Wow. Very sexually wow. suggestive. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that he's having an affair and right. all of these other things, you know. Out, yeah. um, and so it's just to say that if you're asking, does this does this teacher's lifestyle, uh, does it project biblical norms, biblical values, uh, biblical truths. Um, Is he preaching those things with the way that he lives? Or am I seeing pretty radical incongruency between what the guy says and how he presents himself or whatever, Mm -hmm. that that becomes an indicator that, okay, this could be a guy who's in this for his career. Right. And if that's the case, then he's going to do whatever culture tells him to do. Right. He's going to do whatever's right. going to keep people in the seats and mm-hmm. giving to his Which church. Which is what we see so much of now. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, third question, uh, what do they emphasize? And mm-hmm. is it, uh, is it a tangent? Is it mm-hmm. a minor that they're insisting is a major? Therefore, unity becomes a really hard thing to come by, right? right? Uh, Because once you start drawing really hard applicational lines and saying uh, this text of scripture has a singular application for your family and there's zero wiggle room on that. And if you attend this church, then you have to conform yourself to that. Then effectively what you've just done is you've just said uh, unity isn't possible here, except maybe among three of us. Right. Right. Um, and so that becomes... Which we know is not biblical. Correct. Right. <laughs> correct. Exactly. Exactly. And I've had to have really tough conversations with sincere brothers in Christ. Um, this hasn't happened with ladies yet, but with with men, I've had to do this on, on occasion where they had sincere convictions. It really right. did think, yeah, no, uh, a woman should not be in pants or, right. you know, uh, nobody should have movies like this in their movie cabinet. Right. And so when I'm at somebody's house for dinner and I see the stack, you know, it's like I can't do it, you know. Right. Um, and, and this brother was sincere, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but 
I had to, it's the tota scriptura thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you're called to live at peace with all men. Right. Uh, We're called to be of one accord. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're called to be, uh, we have the mind of Christ, which gives us unity in Christ. Right. Right. But all of the personal convictions that you keep telling me about preclude the unity that you're called to. That's right. So you have to ask yourself, are these convictions or are they personal preferences that I've elevated to some supreme level and then tried to find some Bible verses right. to support? Right. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case for everybody who has really strong posi- right. strong right. positions on even the issues that I've given examples of. Mm-hmm. Um But again, you do have to ask yourself that question. If all of my personal convictions uh, end up making the call to unity really difficult to achieve, what's what am I going to subordinate? Right. And of course, that's also not to say that there aren't some things that the Lord may call you to that are going to make you enemies. All the things that we've already talked about. But make sure that those are things that. You have chapter and verse to cite. Jesus commands X, so I cannot be flexible on it. Unlike an issue like meat sacrifice to idols, where Paul commands that you flex on it for the sake of unity. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so making those identifications can be stickier, but we have to have the category open. Right. And, And it's the very thing that reflects just such a difference is when the body of Christ is in unity, because people cannot be in unity without Christ. Right. And so if we're in unity, um, we have to defend that unity because when we're in unity, that is such a big part of what gets people's attention. Like how do these people coexist together? They're all so different, you know, like in terms of, I've been at churches where there's been varying convictions on some of the things you, you mentioned and, but that wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it can be done because right. God says it can be done. Um, but yeah, I, I love that, 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 that unity is such, uh, such an important, it's a reflection to the world and they're watching and yeah. Right. Yep. And then the last question for identification purposes is, uh, what won't they teach? So are they things that they leave out Mm. that actually really need to be said? Right. 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 Uh, and so those questions uh, that question rather will reveal the coward, mm-hmm. right? And so those four questions will help you to identify each right. of those four categories. Right. Yeah, I've been sitting and teaching before where um, I thought I knew where the guy was going with it. And I was like, well, this is going to be good because I, I think I know where he's going with this. And then he just dropped it and went on to something else. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. We, I think you were, I thought you were going to this really great biblical principle that needs to be said and he just circumvented it completely (laughs) so those are some things to yeah those are some things to watch for yeah wow yeah absolutely Mm. and so you'll you'll know the answer to this uh or i think we have the same answer to this Mm -hmm. question but which of those four categories do you think is most prevalent in our time and context Mm. gosh I'll put you on the spot. You did put me on the spot because now I'm like, (laughs) don't look at my notes, Dorinda. Don't look at my notes. (laughs) I'll tell Um, you what I think it is. Okay. I think it's the coward. Oh, yes. I think it's the coward. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the the most common and presently, because of how common it is, Mm -hmm. also the most dangerous. Right. Now, like I said, I think we're going to see that transition to the camaraderie killer. I right. think soon the camaraderie right. killer is right. going to be the most it's, dangerous. It's two ditches. Correct. Basically, and, and the enemy doesn't care what ditch you're in. As yep. long as Just you're in a ditch. Just be in one, please. Yep. Because <laughs> it, yep. it completely, it, it does, 
it destroys so many different things. You're the right. Unity. It destroys the, you know, the just the accurate reflection of mm-hmm. the church and yep. the truths of God's word. So, yeah. Yep. So we just want to avoid the ditches. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and you're also right in identifying that the camaraderie killer and the coward do constitute the ditch on the either side mm-hmm. of one road. Right. 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 Uh, so the coward can be a coward under the guise of not being the camaraderie killer. Right. Right. I wouldn't like you said earlier, I would, wouldn't want to say anything that would divide people. So I right. can't just say um, homosexuality is wrong. Right. Don't do that. Right. I can't just say transgenderism is insane. <laughs> stop it. I can't just say stop sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no straightforward confrontation right. of sin right. because I wouldn't want to be a camaraderie killer. But the camaraderie killer is not, uh, he's only the camaraderie killer if he is dividing people right. where scripture doesn't say we should yes. be divided. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the distinction or that's the nuance, if you right. will. Right. Um, but I, I sorry, love that you're giving a, like a, like kind of like a little word of warning ahead of time. Sure. Like I, I think I see this is where we're going. Be prepared that we're going to see this or this. Don't fall into either ditch. Yeah. Yep. And so we've had a lot of cowards Mm -hmm. and still do. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw the same thing with COVID. You know, we can speak freely about this. Oh, my gosh. Everybody who said, yeah, just close your church indefinitely, uh, force the saints to wear masks, despite the fact that we can't find any biblical warrant for commanding such a thing. We're going to bind people's consciences. And withhold the table, withhold fellowship on the basis of commandments that don't come from God's word, you know, whatever it is. And a lot of men were just cowards. They knew that that was wrong. Mm -hmm. They knew that there was no biblical warrant for requiring the things that the federal government was requiring. Mm -hmm. And yet, because they were afraid of backlash or whatever, they simply capitulated. Right. Right. So uh, moms in the audience, if you have not listened to um, applying Romans 13 to the here and now back that we did back in 2020, maybe you're questioning some of the things he's saying, go back and listen to that. You'll get a full explanation on why he's uh, Wes is sharing what he's sharing. So I think hindsight also is 2020. Absolutely. Like when we're in the middle of it, it was a, it was real hard for some people to see. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think we kind of knew like in our gut, this doesn't feel right, but what is this based on? Because they're throwing scripture at us. Right. And so how do we, you know, how do we navigate this? And so that was just so great to have just that clear explanation of, yeah. of, of yeah. Romans 13. Yeah. So. And so once people awesome. got tired of all the, cat- all the cowards, yep. now they're going to run into right. the arms of the camaraderie killers. Right. Right. Because it sounds like what the cowards were unwilling to do, but they're holding lines that scripture doesn't command they hold. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, those are some categories. Those are some points of identification. And uh, yeah. Anything else you want to cover? I think that was great. Yeah. Appreciate that. I hope moms, you had pins. If you didn't, you can go back and re-listen, right? That's, that's a great thing about a podcast. So thank you so much for sharing Absolutely. Wonderful. I'd love for you to uh, close in a word of prayer. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Father God, thanks so much uh, that you have not left us without your word. Um, Thanks so much that you haven't left us without teachers. Uh, We do, in fact, need them. Uh, But our need for teachers uh, does not mean that we don't have a relationship with you ourselves. Does not mean that we don't have discernment ourselves. Uh, And in fact, we must be students of your word personally, and we must be seeking discernment from you. We must be asking you for wisdom uh, because we're going to subject our family to somebody's 
teaching of the Bible. Uh, so these things are massively important. So we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, and again, we thank you that you haven't left us without resources in this regard. Um, uh, foremost resource being your Holy Spirit, uh, who teaches us and guides us and leads us. We ask that he would do just that uh, for your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.